podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And welcome to the 58th episode of Afraid Not. We appreciate you all so much for joining us and listening to our shows. If you enjoy this show, if you would share this with a friend, that would help us get our message out. Also, if you would rate and review the podcast, that also helps people to find us easier. It really does help with all of that. If your platform that you listen on doesn't have reviews, if you could head on over to Apple and just leave a review, that would be fantastic. Today, our conversation is with Jay Hudson. He is a father, a husband, and recently a grandfather. Talks about how much that's blessed his life. And he shares about this past year in relation to the different things that God has taken him through in his lifetime. But this particular year, he has learned how to pray so much more. And I want to encourage all of us to become more in tune with praying, just like Jay has learned to pray. He talks a lot about going to Mark 4 over and over again and seeing how the wisdom of the Word of God is like the seed and that the sower is casting that seed and he's asking the Lord to make his heart soft soil. Great conversation that we had with Jay. I hope that you listen in and enjoy this conversation. Hey Jay, thanks so much for agreeing to um, talk to us about your story. We're glad to have you on Afraid Not. Welcome to the show. I'm very glad to be here, excited, and uh, looking forward to the time. We're very excited. Well, why don't we start off with just kind of an introduction of who are you and what your family looks like and all that. Okay. Well, uh, again, my name is Jay Hudson. Uh, I live here in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, I'm married to Jennifer. Um, She will also be referred to as Jenny. That's kind of who she is to me. Uh, We've been married about 26 years, over 26 years, I should say. Uh, We have three beautiful daughters, and we have a son-in-law, and we have a grandbaby. So, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, actually I, I've got a little insight to that. Um, so, uh, one of the verses that I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about or chapters I'm going to talk about a little bit later is Mark four. And, um, this is actually, and I'll get into it. It's, it's, it's a chapter that God gave me a long time ago and, um, I've actually, actually used it over and over and over throughout life. And uh, one of the things in regards to family is that um, whenever um, you get uh, a grandbaby, now with, to ask a real quick question, are, are either of you guys, I, I know, Jill, I know you're not a grandparent, but mm-hmm. <laughs> are either of you grandparents? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. My okay. um, oldest daughter got married in June and we do have a grand dog. <laughs> ah. No grandchild yet, but um, the years of marriage and amount of children is real similar to you and Jennifer. So we've been married a little over 26 years, three kids, one married. So, but no grandchildren yet. Although we anticipate that how wonderful that will be someday. Well, it, it, it really is amazing. And, and the funny thing is, is that it's way more, than, than really what you expect. And, and here's kind of a, um, 
uh, an indication. So, so the baby is handed to me. Her name is Brooklyn, and she was born May 3rd, so she's about seven months. And this is over the Christmas holiday, and she's a little fussy. She's fighting sleep. And so they give me a passy and a little blanket to wrap her up on. And then I sit down on the couch and I am telling you to have a baby fall asleep on your, on your chest <laughs> is, it, it is magical. It is soothing. And it, it reminded me of, of Mark four. And the reason it did is that, so I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but this is all of Mark four is kind of like the parable of the seeds and the sower and so forth. But at the end of that, starting in verse 35, Jesus goes out onto this boat. He's done talking. He wants a break. And so they, they go out and then the waves start breaking and crashing and, and, and the, and the, the guys on the boat get all, you know, they're scared to death and, and Jesus is trying to catch a nap. And, um, and so he wakes up and he's like, you guys, do you not know who I am and what's going on? And he says, hush be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And I am telling you, God gives you that blessing of perfectly calm. When that baby falls asleep on your chest, it is magical. And you, you start and you look back and you think of all the hard times and all the work that it has been to be a family, to be a father, to be a husband. And you're like, this is one of those moments that God gives us. And he's going to give us through storms and all that kind of stuff. He's going to give us these perfectly calm. And the crazy thing about that is that it's Jesus saying perfectly calm. It's Jesus's version of perfectly calm, not the internets, not television, not Hollywood. It's Jesus's version. So it is this amazing, blissful, holy, wonderful time. Part of the, the outline of what, um, uh, Jill gave me was to talk about passion and you, you feel that passion for family and understand why God designed it a little bit like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so en enough about the grandbaby. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty deep, <laughs> I have to say. Yeah, it, it is. And it's just a lot of fun. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, going through her first Christmas and, and you get to see that bows and wrapping paper are much more exciting than, um, all the toys or whatever other things that she received that the most exciting gift was to try to put bows in her mouth. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, a little bit more about family. Um, my oldest is obviously she's 23 and um, married to just a, a wonderful guy. It, it's funny because, you know, Jenny and I met at the Baptist Student Union um, and I think that you've had other guests on here that uh, yes. have kind of had similar stories. And, and I know the Melissa Mingle, who's uh, the Mingles are dear friends of ours. In fact, Mark, um, her husband uh, was my roommate in college. And, uh, you know, both of us, I was one of his groomsmen. He was one of mine. So dear, dear friends. So one of the things that they teach at the BSU is that, you know, you should already be praying for your kids and then praying for your kids' husbands or wives, so forth. Mm -hmm. And so it is, it is really neat whenever you see God's answer to prayer. And he is, one, he is a, a godly man. And uh, number two, he's just absolutely crazy about my daughter. 
And then number three, he is, he's such a fantastic father. Um, so one, one thing I wanted to throw out there, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the MRS scholarship, but I wanted um, to talk briefly yeah. about that. Well, Robin graduated from OBU, <laughs> so I think she's very familiar with the term. I MRS. actually had my MRS before graduation. <laughs> we got married. <laughs> in the year before yeah so my whole senior year i was already married <laughs> when i was in school to get married before you graduated was kind of a faux pas it was kind of like no you don't want to do that you don't want to do that you you can't afford you can't you can't make it you shouldn't do it and i remember there was kind of a because there was a couple of couples that i know that um good news is they're still married today uh but I know that they really wanted desperately to get married, but uh, both sides of the family were just kind of pushing against it. I, I would actually not recommend that if, if, you know, every situation is different, but if you're worried about money and uh, paying for school and all of that, because of the scholarships and the grants, <laughs> the pale grants and all of that stuff, like Bailey w went to school her first two years and we, we paid full price for all of that. And then uh, her next two years, she was married and we paid a thousand dollars for the other two years for everything. Oh my wow. God. And so, yeah, I mean, it, and she graduated way to go. <laughs> yeah, she, she graduated with honors from the school of nursing from UCO um, there in Edmond. And so um, you know, I, I don't, as a father and kids are wanting to get married and they're still in school. I, I mean, uh, historically it was, it seems like it was more frowned upon. I would take a hard look at it, especially if you're worried about paying for school. Um, <laughs> you know, the MRS scholarship works. And, and given that my other daughter, who is a sophomore in college right now, and we're paying full price, uh, and not that I'm encouraging her to get married. Oh, goodness, no. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So just uh, a side note there that uh, that's some free advice. So, so going back, I think I talked to you guys a little bit earlier about how I uh, had our, have my Sunday school class praying for this podcast and praying for me. During that time, we were actually talking about uh, marriages and long marriages and one of the ladies in our Sunday school class has been married to the same gentleman, which his name is Doug, and he is just a great, great guy. And uh, he and I are in a Bible study together and uh, really love that guy and, and has a beautiful family. But they have been together. And when I mean together, I mean like boyfriend, girlfriend, since they were in seventh grade. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is a wow. And, and I'm leading that because if, if Jennifer knew me in seventh grade, she would not be married to me right now. She would not want to be anywhere near me. I mean, I can't imagine. Uh, well, I mean, here's a case in point. There are four people that still talk to me on a regular basis that I knew when I was in seventh grade and three of them are family members. So I can't imagine. Um, and the funny thing about that is actually, Jenny and I, when we first met, um, she was still in high school. I was a freshman at OU. And um, I actually, I remember meeting her, but I remember that the situation as more or less, hi, how you doing? 
what happened is Jennifer's one of her close friends was in the BSU with us. And so I went over and said hi to them and I didn't know any of the other girls there. And so I was just trying to be polite and move on. And her rendition of that is that uh, I was, uh, um, you know, trying to be Mr. Big Shot college guy and that I was a little obnoxious and uh, yeah. And uh, so her first impression of me was not very good. <laughs> so, <laughs> So how did, how did we end up getting together? Well, actually what happened is my freshman year, I dated a girl and I, we dated for like a short time and then it kind of broke off. The funny thing about that is, is that it, it's one of those things where for years, everyone still thought that we were kind of together. Like, so like when I was a junior, so this is like two years later, they're like, so are you dating Jan? And I'm like, no, no, we, we, we haven't really dated in two years. And, but on the flip side, when Jenny was a freshman, she dated a guy and I always thought that they were still dating. So one day they have a thing called Vespers, which is a Thursday night service afterwards you know, you just kind of socialize, chit chat, and before you head back to wherever, dorms, apartments, so forth. We just started talking. I'd always known who she was, but I had always assumed she was dating a friend of mine named Todd. And so anyways, we started talking. It was the same deal where it's like, no, I haven't, I haven't dated him in two years. Aren't you with Jan? No, I haven't dated <laughs> two years. And I was like, well, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> tomorrow's friday night yeah so do you want to get married no i'm just kidding Not that fast. so as far as life journeys and all the stories i'm going to tell it, i mean it kind of it's amazing what god does with marriage when i looked at, at where i was going into marriage um and what i thought i knew and how much of a man I thought I was. And then you realize how much of a selfish boy you are and how God uses that to really, um, you know, he, he, he teaches you how to rely on him, how to be faithful um, to him and to his word. And, and it's, it's really all through this institution that he created through marriage. And um, what an amazing partner and, and how that uh, team, and I, I, I'm, I'm in the business world, and so I understand this whole concept of teams, teams, teams. But really, I mean, you, you, he teaches you how to, to team up. It really is amazing. You go through the different stages of no kids, and then kids, and then grown kids, and then now grandbabies. We're not quite there yet. We're still a few years away, but I mean, retirement and things like that and what that all looks like. And, you know, you go from being discipled to being disciplers and really along the way that some of the key disciples that you'll have are obviously your children. Those are your first disciples and those are the, the most tentative ears. And so you have the largest responsibility to God for them. So, and, and with that, I will tell you, so I've had all girls. One of the things that I would always say to that is date your wife, date your daughters. And when Brooklyn's old enough, I'm going to date my grandkid. Um, 
it's vital for them because it's God's control. But I do think that because I dated Bailey from day one, I mean, she saw a picture of how she should be treated. And I'm trying to do that with the other two girls, which it's been, it's really weird because Bailey was very high taste. So if we went on a date, she wanted steak. And I'm not talking Western sizzling. I'm talking Mickey Mantles or I guess maybe Fleming's up in Tulsa because you guys are up in that area. We didn't go on as many dates, <laughs> but when we went, we went in style. And then you've got my youngest who is Chick-fil-A or bust. It, that's it. It's, she has no, no palate of anything other than a Chick-fil-A sandwich, no pickles. Yeah. Then you've got the middle child who is anything. I mean, she likes to try new stuff. She's really outgoing when it comes to all that kind of stuff. So it's all over the place, but um, it, it, it is a lot of fun. Yeah. So what do you do? Tell us what you do for a living. I, my background is a, I, I, I'm an accountant. I got my CPA, um, but I work uh, for a company called Dura Coatings. What we do is we repair things. So if you have a drilling tool and we can repair a drilling tool about 10 times and my company will take those tools and repair them back to the original specs. It's a good company, good relationship with our customers. We also do aerospace in that um, airplanes come in and we mainly work on the landing gear for 737, Boeing 737s. And so it's the same deal. Um, airplanes can only fly so many hours before they have to come in and they have to be overhauled and refurbished all of the landing gear, all the different parts, the engines, the electrical and everything. And so our main piece of that is the, uh, the landing gear. And I do all the finance work for that company. God has taught me new ways to pray through COVID. One of the things I wanted to ask you about when we were having dinner and talking that night was your salvation story. So tell us about how you came to know Jesus. Okay. So there are two things that are profound that I remember. First of all, I grew up in Catoosa, Oklahoma, which I think you guys are up in that area. So you're probably yeah. familiar with Catoosa. Pretty close. Loved growing up there. Had a blast. Loved Tulsa. Loved that area. Still think Tulsa is a beautiful city. Um, if ever God chose for us to go back up there, I would love it. So my, my parents, uh, my, my dad worked for a company called McDonnell Douglas. He was blue collar, no, no college education. At the time, when I was a kid, mom didn't work. So it was just dad's income. And I remember he went on strike. I can remember being scared. And I remember him coming home and he was lamenting because some of the engineers and the professionals broke the strike lines and they went to work because they weren't striking. They weren't part of the labor union they went to work and he says, Jay, you need to get a degree so that you don't ever have to strike and go on strike. You need to go to college and you need to get a degree so you don't ever have to worry about this. And I remember that to this day. And from then on, it was, it was settled. I was going to school. I was going to college. And the reason I'm saying that is because that really did permeate a lot of my decisions from that point on. The next thing, and this is the biggest thing, is that my parents were not churchgoers. They, since I've, I've grown up, um, they both have professed to be Christians, but we 
we never went to church. We, you know, there was no prayer, no Bible study, any of that kind of stuff in the house whatsoever. And I can remember sitting in front of my television and this will show a little bit of my age. And I was right in front of the television because we didn't have remote controls back then. So if I needed to change the channel, I'd have to actually physically get up and move the knob. I remember that. And I was sitting there watching championship wrestling. There was this overwhelming feeling that there was something better in life. There was something missing, that this isn't what life had to offer. There's got to be something more. Uh, lo and behold, I, I don't know if it was a week or two weeks, but not long after that, uh, a friend of mine, um, who I'm still friends with today, invited me to church. And this was actually on an Easter Sunday. I said, yeah, sure. What, you know, I, I knew what church was, but had never gone. To be honest, church meant boring to me at that time. Anytime I had to go to church, it was usually because it was either a funeral or a wedding or we had to go. I was visiting my grandparents because my grandparents did go to church. And I was usually bored and couldn't wait for it to be over. This time was Easter Sunday. From that Easter Sunday until 2021, I have been in church and have never really missed. Uh, during um, that time, I, I started having my, my parents would take me to church and drop me off for Sunday school and uh, been big church and then come pick me back up. And then that night I would go back for Sunday evening church and they would come pick me up afterwards and I would be there every Wednesday night for um, Wednesday night Bible study. And I did that until I could drive and have just um, later, basically later that summer at a, I went to a youth camp in Miami, Oklahoma. I was talking to my youth pastor and um, I said, okay, so what's, what's the save stuff? What does all this mean? I, I need to understand. And I'm going to call it jargon, although I didn't know the word jargon back then, but what does all this stuff mean? And what does it mean to be saved? What am I saved from? And he started walking me through Romans and asking me about my sins. And, and I said, yep, yep, that's me. I, uh, I need that. <laughs> so what do I do? And later that summer, I was baptized. I can tell you that I, I grew in the Lord because of the youth pastor and the Sunday school teacher and um, some other people invest. But... From that point until college, I think that with Christian life, I had more questions than I had answers. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is that in hindsight now, I remember having a Bible study and they were talking about Samson and how Samson was just given everything up front and how he squandered all of these amazing gifts that he was given. And I learned from that that God is very, very much into discipline and patience and you know he wants to grow things grow you slowly and mature you slowly um, and the reason is is because if you're if he gives you too much too fast you usually squander it it's just our sin nature and i think that i probably would have squandered it the same way it wasn't until college i can remember the backstory is i told you that whole deal about how i made a decision that i would go to college and i would get a degree well, I'm sitting at my freshman year, first semester, and I'm looking at the, the, the grades. And when I tell you this, I'm, I'm, I, I was in the band, I uh, marched in the drum line at the band. I wasn't actually involved in the BSU that first semester. 
Um, I had a whole bunch of other things. I was in President Leadership Calas, and there was a thing called Crimson Club. I wasn't in a fraternity, involved in a bunch of different things. But I will tell you that I studied. I didn't, I wasn't a partier. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. Um, I studied hard and I walked away with a 194 GPA. Oh, and so I, wow. I, I walk in and I, I go to mom and dad and I'm like, okay, this is my grades. And they're like, well, I understand because I had some scholarships from Katusa and some other scholarships. And actually mom and dad had set aside enough money for my older sister and myself to go two years. But um, she, she got married right out of high school. And so I got all four years, yay. But they were saying, okay, you've got all of these resources, but if 194 is the best you can do, maybe this isn't for you. And you need to rethink what you're doing because, you know, even though school was way cheaper back then than it is now, it's still a lot of money to invest mm -hmm. in something that isn't going very well for you. So um, a little side note, there is uh, a lady by the name of Melinda Sossaman. Anyways, I saw her and she goes, how'd your first semester go? And I was like, eh, not so good. And she's like, oh, really? So what do you think happened? I was like, I don't know because I actually studied. And she goes, well, well what are you reading? And I said, reading? I hate to read. And she goes, well, then why are you in college? College is nothing but reading and writing. And it, that's what it is. If you don't like to read, do something else. And I was like, oh. So it's funny. From then on, I fell in love with reading. And now I, I adore reading. And I read all the time. And, and you know, my downtime is reading. And uh, it, it's funny that... that that was the key for some reason, you know, to get through the university, you have to know how to read, huh? Eureka. <laughs> so anyways, the second semester, I actually made a four point and I made four points sophomore. I made two four points my sophomore. And it wasn't until I got into my major work where tax one and tax two were difficult for me and some of the upper division accounting stuff I really had to work at, but yeah. I made it through. So can I ask yeah. you to tell us your story of your frayed knot that God put on your heart to share with us tonight? Sure. My frayed knot is, is really, it, it's, it starts with January of 2019. What has happened is, is, is my career as an accountant has been a roller coaster, but it, it, it's been good and, and God has been incredibly gracious. So I start off as an accountant and entry-level accounting is extremely boring. I'm rethinking why I chose this major. What am I doing? This is the most boring thing in the world. And then I go to work for a little startup company that I don't know if you guys have ever heard of. It's called Coca-Cola. They do soft drinks. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And so all of a sudden that was a blessing. It was a lot of hard work, but I really enjoyed it. I got into management, promoted, I learned a whole bunch of uh, manufacturing techniques and, and just learned a whole bunch of stuff. And that blossomed into me getting my first chief financial officer role, which is kind of what I was wanting to do. I was wanting to promote and get into leadership and, and uh, leadership at the highest levels. It was a smaller company um, it was in oil and gas. When I went over there, the company blossomed. Some of it is just the way the oil and gas industry works and its ups and downs. 
and we really grew the company. And part of the bonus is that the owner of the company said, I need you to start up a side business for me. And so I was going to take one of the sales guys and we were going to go up and set up a distribution center up in Casper, Wyoming and service that area, the Colorado and all that kind of stuff. So again, the career is on this upward mobility and super excited about it. Thanking God, praising him. And so we start the company and the company does amazing explodes. We started it with a little $40,000 loan and within six months had paid the loan off. Within another six months, we're issuing dividends. Fantastic. But the whole transaction was done with handshakes. Mm. And when I say all this, it hurts my pride and it is, it's, it's frustrating because of a little bit of lack of wisdom and lack of knowledge. But I, I don't, I'm still friends with all of those people and are in communication with them. I don't begrudge. But basically what happened is they're like, wow, they're making a lot of money here. Let's move Jay out because we can do it on our own. And they're 100% correct. And we don't need him. And we can make this amount of money instead of having him make that money. Oh. And so when all that went down, I was like, well... If you're going to do that to me, I don't really want to work here anymore. <laughs> so I went back out and I found another job and God was really gracious in that um, when I didn't, I mean, I think it took me two or three days to find something new. When he found it, um, I, I got started working for a company that was actually owned by what they call private equity. Um, now, Again, so I'm, this roller coaster is going down because of that, and I'm working for this company. It's a good company, good people, but bored out of my mind. Just doing the same kind of boring accounting stuff that I was doing 10 years ago, 10 years before that. Really wanted to grow and develop and all that stuff. And so the whole time I'm there, now granted I'm there five or six years, I'm just praying God I can remember walking in the building several times and saying, Lord, I would love it if you would take this cup from me, please. I know in the grander, I have a job. It's a great job. These are great people. But God, you know, if please, you know, mercy, please, God. <laughs> and then go about my day and work. And lo and behold, he did provide that. Uh, and it's so funny because it's like there's a guy that I knew from college that went to work for another guy that befriended another guy that knew a partner that knew this guy and somehow my name came up. And so there's this private equity firm. Anyways, I go to work in 2013, getting away from that other job. And this is the dream. So I actually am able to get uh, vested, get some ownership in the company. We come out gangbusters and then because of the oil and gas, it kind of softens a little bit in 2016, but we're growing and we get to 2019 and we're going to sell this company. And whenever I say that we're going to sell, I mean, I understand God has promised us nothing and blessings uh, financially and stuff like that. It's amazing how uh, God chooses and doesn't choose and, and the decisions are made. What I'm trying to say is that I don't, it's not the end all be all. 
the first story about the grandbaby and the family and all that, that's the end all be all. But you have worked for so many years and you're on the precipice mm -hmm. of really the money earned would actually from this deal would be enough the way that Ginny and I live our lives to where we wouldn't really have to work ever again. And we're, we're close enough to where we hire what they call, um, it's called a boutique bank. And what they do is they come in and they help us market it and they help us sell it and they have all these connections and they help us um, sell the company. And we go through the first quarter of 2019, just hitting amazing numbers. Then we hit the second quarter of 2019 it softens just a little bit but not enough to slow us down and then by the third quarter of 19 we see that oil and gas start to really dive down but it's okay because we have the aerospace and we're starting to see a ramp up of the aerospace then at the end of 19 the aerospace it keeps growing but at, at the end of every year aerospace dies and the reason is is because during the holidays they want all their planes in the air, so they don't want any in being serviced. So our industry kind of dies down at the end of the year because all the planes are in the air. So we were expecting it to bounce back, even though the oil and gas by now is completely dead, and then COVID hits. And all of a sudden we go to zero and less than zero. And all of a sudden the management team is coming together and saying, okay, uh, we've got to, we, we had a hundred, around a hundred or so on the shop floor. We got to make some cuts and we had worked so hard to build our team and we had a great team. And so we had to start cutting and then it got worse and worse. And we went from, there's a term called free cash flow. And at the end of the day, um, it's not just about profit. It's about cash. And I have never ever worked for a company where we had an any one month negative cash flow. And we had negative cash flow. So in other words, there was more cash going out than coming in and it wasn't going to turn around. Yeah. And so now we as management are cutting our pay and we're cutting employees pay that are left and then we're still cutting employees. And so we, we are down now to 31 heads. We, we lost 70% basically of our, of our team. If it wasn't for some of these, like the loan programs, Main Street Loan, the state actually gave us 150,000. We've had some other investors give us money and all this stuff just to keep us afloat, all this government money. And so the good news is, is that we are steady and we're at the bottom mm -hmm. and we're kind of creeping up and all that kind of stuff. But the reason I'm saying all of this is that God gave me Habakkuk. And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. But I'm reading through this random, <laughs> random book um, of the Bible. And I don't know if you guys are familiar, but basically it starts off with um, – a prophet basically complaining to God, and there's a dialogue between God and this prophet. In Habakkuk 3, the last, uh, what is this, three verses. So you go through all this, and it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there are no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, 
though the flock should be cut off of the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt the Lord. I will rejoice in God of my salvation. And the Lord is my strength. Well, and yeah, I understand that's super hard on a guy, especially when you're the head of the household and something hits with your job and that's the direction you thought you were going your whole life. It's, I mean, I've watched kind of the same sort of thing with my dad at one time and it's, it's just kind of brutal for everybody. I mean, especially as a man, I'm sure as the head of the household. Yeah. And, and God is blessed all the way through. I compare this to the mingles and, and having to fight through cancer and it's not the same, you know, um, God is just blessed. It's not, it's, we have our health Mm-hmm. Our health is great. We have our family. Family's ties are strong. We have close friends. We have an amazing church and a church family. And all the things that are important. And really, even the, the guys that I work or people that I work with, uh, my controller, she is a fantastic lady. She has a wonderful family. And so at the end of the day, God is blessed tremendously, even through all of this time. And it's, it's more about stopping and taking evaluation. It is funny that, like, it is so easy to pray right now. It is amazing how easy it is to just stop and pray. And then, again, it goes back to that Mark 4, where God will give you small pieces of peacefulness. Like, the other day, over the New Year's holiday, it snowed down here, and it was that beautiful snow that sticks to everything and just coats everything white. And I was having my quiet time in the morning, and it was just beautiful, and, and you just like, wow, what a blessing, you know? Mm-hmm. This is amazing, God. You're yeah. awesome. It's so really special that the trials we go through are the times that we lean on and we lean in to God so much more. And that's that intimacy that we wouldn't trade for anything on the other side. Right. We wouldn't trade it for any amount of money. We, we learn it in the moment of the trial, which is never fun. No, <laughs> but you're right. That's the time you learn how to pray. That's the time you learn how to bring everything right in the moment to the Lord. One of the things um, that the private equity guys, so they have, they have seen this time and time again, where they buy a small company, a mom and pop, and um, the original owner stays a part of it, or uh, the original owner um, just sells out and they walk away with a bucket of money. And it's basically, they, they call it the TW syndrome. And uh, which stands for trophy wife syndrome. So what happens is there's these guys and they've seen it over and over. Basically what happens is a guy get rich and he dumps his current wife. He gets so caught up in himself and he dumps his family and his wife to go off and spend money and find the other trophy wife. And so the reason I'm saying all this is to say that I don't know. I would like to think that nothing like that would have ever happened if we would have sold and everything would have gone as scheduled. But maybe this is a time in which God is teaching me so that if he does blesses, if he does bless in that capacity, I will know how to give thanks and understand the blessing and give the blessing back to God in thanks and worship and not get consumed with ourselves, which 
goes back to Mark 4, and the reason that I read that so often in the parable of the seeds and the sower, one of the seeds, basically, it, it starts, it grows, but then it eventually gets choked out. Mm-hmm. And the seed is the word of God. And so what will happen so often is we, we will get entrenched in the word of God for a period, but then because of whatever, it chokes that out. And so that's why it's so important. I learned this in college to go back, obviously the word of God in general, but I would, I actually read Mark four at least about once every three months or so go through it just to remind myself, okay, where am I? Am, am I getting choked out? Are the things of this world deceiving me? Where is my heart? Where is the word of God in my heart? Mm-hmm. And, and where am I? And what am I doing? And then just do a self-evaluation. Another verse that, that really means a lot to me is that, or it's a chapter, the Psalms 1, where it says, blessed is the man that does not walk in the ways of the wicked or stand in the seas, mockers, so forth and so on. The key to that is, is blessed is the man. So blessed, that is what we want. That's what we're all about is blessed is the man. So when God blesses, we want him to say at the end of this time, good job. Blessed are you, Jay Hudson. Blessed are you. Well done. So he's saying blessed is the man. And what does that say? That meditates on his word day and night. Mm. So he's saying, Jay, this is for all those people out there that say God is distant and he doesn't communicate with me and I don't know where he is and I don't know who he is. Right there, Psalms 1 1, 2, 3, 4, however long it is. There it is. He's saying exactly who he is and how to get to know him. It's, it's way better than a burning bush. It's way better than voices from the clouds. It's right there in black and white. Just read it. You're so right. Well, Jay, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Grateful. And thank you for talking with us and with our listeners about these important lessons. We're grateful to you. We hope that God blesses you and your family. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. Everyone, I hope that one of the things that you are taking away from this conversation, like me, is the passage in Habakkuk 3 that Jay talked about. No matter what happens, no matter what things go wrong, and what rug is pulled out from under your feet, let's just continue to worship the Lord. We continue to rejoice in the Lord and all the things He has done for us. Even if He never does anything else for us, He's already given us His Son, Jesus. He's already been so good to us. He is with us. And all of the trials we go through, he's going to pull us through, just like he's pulling Jay through this one. Mark 4 that he mentioned, he also talks about how it talks about Jesus calming the wind and the waves and bringing peace. And there's a quote from Jackie Hill Perry where she says, God, who knows all things and controls all things, cannot be troubled by what he has infinite knowledge, and, uh, infinite knowledge of and complete sovereignty over. The peace he gives is the peace he has. To the restless sea, he says, peace, be still. To a restless people, my peace I give to you. So he's not just giving us, just handing out like candy, like here's a little piece of peace. He's actually giving us his own peace. That's what he gives us. 
We hope that this has been an encouragement to you, and have a great day, and we will see you back in a couple weeks. Bye.